ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Good evening. Welcome to Dynasty Junkies episode 197, departing from usual or expected standards, otherwise known as deviant. That is, you know, the main theme for the show tonight. Um, it is our first show back. Um, this basically this year, we'll call it this year. We got the MFL rollover coming up. We got the Super Bowl coming up. So it's it's like a new year. It's a whole new thing. Um, we're going to change up the format a little bit. we got a couple new things going on. So, uh, obviously if you are a fairly new listener, you may not recognize my voice, but I am Scott Sidlow. I'm your favorite realtor and your third, maybe fourth favorite dynasty junkie. Um, you know, we'll see. And the reason I say four is because we are up to four now. And so my whole thing with dynasty junkies is I feel like, you know, most of the podcasts out there are for like the 80%, right? And then you've got like, uh, you've got like the Scott Connors of the world. That's like the top 2%. Okay. <laughs> and so what about all the people in between? You know, like we're, we're obsessed. We're crazy. We want to talk like strategy overview, bigger things. And so like, that's kind of where I feel like that's where we fit in. Right. Um, you know, so we can, we can talk to the 80%, we can talk to the in-between, but now the best part is we can also get that top 2% now because we get to add my guy at FF Tommy B, Tommy Blair. What's up, Tommy? Thanks for joining us officially and now going forward in the rotation on Dynasty Junkies. What an intro, Scott. I am a kid in a candy store joining the Dynasty Junkies. Because not only do I get to talk with you and learn about some of the portfolio strategies that you're employing and the other co-hosts as well who play dramatically different than you and I do, but I get to bring on all of my favorite Twitter fantasy personalities. And we really got a good one today. We got the Dynasty Deviant himself. Chris, how you doing today, man? Uh, I'm well. Like, I'm... I'm a little sick right now, but I wasn't going to miss this show for anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. happy to be here. And like, thank you guys for having me on. I really look forward to this. A true junkie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to get into. Um, this is a very early point in the non-point scoring season. And so I feel like it's a, a great opportunity to sort of take stock in who we are as dynasty players and that's what that's what I'm hoping to get into today. Um, what do you say we we just jump right into it? What do you think? Let's do that. Let's let's get to well, it. Let's get to the content. And not, you know, there's plenty of nonsense in there. We'll 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 figure <laughs> out the nonsense, but 
content's good. Um, I will just say going forward, we're going to be pretty much every other week. We'll have your full dynasty junkies show as you, as you've loved it, as you've known it. Um, and then we're going to be filling in between with kind of some special episodes. And then I have some solo stuff. I'll be digging into some of the coaching hire scheme changes, uh, projections, actionable advice on that end. So, uh, we'll do that. And with that, um, I want to ask you guys if there's any coaching hires that have caught your eye in the last couple of weeks Some new, lots of new coaches, whether it's been head coaches or OCs. Um, you know, I started digging into, you know, my guy, Jim Harbaugh, I started digging into Clint Kubiak, who's now in new Orleans. So that's a whole new offense. Um, you know, I find it mind boggling. I listen to a lot of podcasts and some of these, you know, quote unquote analysts that just like don't have a clue that there's a new offense in place and they're giving you a, like old advice basically, because you, how do you know it's a new offense? You don't know that that's going to happen. So it kind of drives me nuts. It's one of my pet peeves. Um, but you know, Chris, let's start with you. Any, uh, coaching changes that have caught your eye or something you, you want to look into or, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you, okay. it's yours, man. Take it. All right. Yes. Um, the coaching hire that really has caught my eye this offseason and what they're doing over there in Washington. So the commanders, I know a lot of people are upset when Dan Quinn came over and he took over. And then, but bringing on Cliff Kingsbury, like that little nugget right there has me interested a little bit. And because a lot of people, when they think of Cliff Kingsbury, they think of Texas Tech and Air Raid, and he's just throwing it all. But he actually, in Arizona, they ran the ball a lot. You know, and he is not afraid to run the ball. <clears throat> so I'm thinking in Washington now, you know, so, yeah, they went on from Ron Rivera, who was defensive minded and didn't really put a lot of emphasis on the offense, even when BNME came over last year. <clears throat> but when we saw Dan Quinn, when he was the head coach over in Atlanta, like he let Kyle Shanahan do his thing with the offense. Like He focused on the defense and everything. And, you know, even though he was a defensive minded coach, the offense thrived because he allowed that OC to do what he does best. And I'm thinking he will do the same with Kingsbury. And I think Kingsbury might be a little interesting because he has, I think he has more dynamic pieces in Washington than what he had in Atlanta. Now, granted, like he doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, well, depends on if you trust Sam Howell or not, but I mean, he has a lot of pieces. So I'm very, very interested to see how this is going to work out. Cause I think Brian Robinson, is going to be one of those forgotten pieces in the whole like mass of the offseason that is actually going to have an opportunity to thrive. Rivera's gone. Antonio Gibson more than likely is gone. And you have a offensive like uh, OC that's coming in that doesn't mind running the ball and putting you in creative spots. So that's the coaching hire that interests me the most. Kingsbury coming back. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I I started putting together what he did in Arizona. And that first year, if you remember, they just didn't have the personnel he wanted to run his offense. So they they were running 12, running two tight ends, running the ball. Like, yeah, it was weird. You know, they they tried it at first and they're like, OK, yeah, we're we have like, you know, I think it was like Keyshawn Johnson or something out there, you know, like not not the old Keyshawn Johnson, but the the new one, um, you know, there there was not not a lot there to go off of. And so he had to change things up. And so we'll see what he's learned from that. We'll see what he's learned from his time at USC. 
um, and his time in like uh, Thailand or wherever he disappeared to for a year. Um, so, you know, maybe he'll come back a new man. Maybe, maybe it'll be more of the same, but um, definitely going to be interesting. I can't wait to dig into that one. Tommy, what are your thoughts on that? And what else do you have? Yeah, don't sleep on Chris Rodriguez either. Uh, there's a lot of value to be had in just getting the number two, the number three option right now because people are trying to clean up their rosters. And if you have any roster clogging wide receivers, this is a great way to move cross positionally to buy a little bit of upside. We saw Rodriguez do pretty well towards the end of the year. He has an ability to handle 20 carries uh, if and when called upon. And we know that running backs, I mean, about half of the top 24 miss at least four games every single year. So now's not a bad time to build out your, your depth at running back just a little bit further. I take a slightly different approach, though, when looking at the coaching changes at this point in the non-point scoring season, because we're really terrible at figuring out who's good and bad right now. We make fun of coaches right now when they have a terrible press conference, let's say. Um, and sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes the crazy eyes are real. But behind it all is really how do they relate to the players and how do they build out a good staff? Let's give it time. That's that's my approach right now. Let's see how the NFL draft shakes out. Let's see how free agency shakes out and start paying more attention to the effects of the coaching changes sometime around training camp. I know that's not a fun answer right now, but for me, it's a really practical choice that I make to avoid some of the noise. What do you think, though, Scott? Yeah. So what I like to do is, I mean, this time of year, there's not a lot happening. You know, we look around our leagues, not a lot of activity. There's not a lot going on. So where can I, where can I take advantage? Where can I try to get ahead of things? So what I do is I really, I take a deep dive into any past history we have. So for example, Clint Kubiak is a good example because we could talk about Cliff Kingsbury. We know what we're getting with him for the most part, we got a lot of data. We had like what, four years in Arizona. So we have, we have a lot of data there with, uh, with Clint. He, I believe was the, um, he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota for one year in 2021. So I don't know how much are you going to glean from that? I don't know. That's one data point. Uh, but in 2022, he was the passing game coordinator in Denver and he called plays. So, that means he had a big imprint on that offense. And so I really want to see what he did there. And then, you know, the guessing game comes where we're so bad, as you say, Tommy, is trying to figure out now with the new personnel, what are they going to do? And then we've got free agency and we've got the draft and personnel is going to change. Um, but if I can at least kind of get that baseline, it really helps me put in perspective you know, envisioning what that offense could look like. And then starting to, I'm not actually necessarily even projecting players. I'm projecting roles. So I'm just going to say like, what is, what do I think is going to be relevant in the offense? Like if, you know, if the tight end two never plays, you know, Pat, you know, or never has pass routes, uh, I should say that's probably better. You know, they probably play, but maybe they're just blocking or whatever. I don't care. Right. So I'm not going to worry about anyone past the tight end one on that roster. You know, was there three receivers getting, you know, 15% or more target share? Okay. Now I'm going to try to, you know, wide receiver one, two, and three, let's put in projections for those. And then we'll see which personnel fits in, but what it will do is it will give me the, uh, it's like pre-thinking so that when those players do drop in, 
via via free agency or draft day, then now I can say, okay, I already have this baseline in place, and I think this is a great fit. And let's let's go get them. Let's draft them. Let's trade for them. Whatever it may be. So it just kind of helps me look at it a little bit differently than I think a lot of people are doing. And uh, hopefully, I can share more of that this year than I've been able to in the past. And you know, just kind of see where the flaws are in the process. And you know, if we can find an edge there, when uh, you know, in a game where the edge is <laughs> growing smaller by the day, it seems like. I love the idea of pre-thinking and sort of having that worn-in groove uh, to when you need to react, you're able to. Like you said, we all know what happens when news breaks. We all get it at exactly the same time. We get the alert on our phone. And so the race for information isn't the edge anymore. It's being the first to decide how to act with that information. That's the true value point. So I, I really do like that point. I'm going to make a note of it to implement that into my strategy this offseason. So there's uh, no great segue here, but how about uh, I think Zay Flowers was just traded in one of my leagues, and uh, and then I saw someone make a comment, and I thought, oh boy, what happened? Uh, and apparently he's been arrested. Um, so interesting there. Uh, obviously, we're not going to know anything. We're not attorneys. We don't know what's happening yet. Um, but that that Baltimore receiving core just can't seem to catch a break. There's always something <laughs> with those guys. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, there's maybe nothing comes of it. You know, it's so early in the year, but, um, uh, you know, to me, probably a buying opportunity just based on history. Uh, but what I would say is anything legal related, I would follow Drew Davenport on Twitter. He's the guy that breaks it down in layman's terms and also seems to have a pretty good idea of the history and what's most likely to happen. He's at drew Davenport FF. Uh, that's the guy that I follow for everything. And I have made countless decisions about players based on what I've read from him. So that's probably the only thing I have with that. Um, unless you guys have anything to add, Tommy, you can go ahead and uh, start us off with our main topic of the day. Yeah, real quick, I just want to ask you, Chris, when a player has this type of a situation, not this specific instance, but some legal trouble arises, are you the type of manager where you're sending out offers to buy the risk? Or are you trying to um, shed those players off of some of your teams? What are you doing in those situations? Are you holding? So honestly, it really depends on what they are alleged of doing. Mm -hmm. you know, and like uh, how damning it really seems at that point in time. But for the most part, when I see stuff like this, I am that guy that's sending out those offers. I want to catch somebody on tilt. You know, <clears throat> I want to catch somebody who's smashing the panic button like, oh, I got to get rid of all my flower shares. And, you know, I can might, you know, come up with a nice buying opportunity and get them like under market value. And then having him knowing that, all right, there's an opportunity, you know, to be made here or, um, seeing how the legal process plays out because ever since like with the whole Zeke Elliott thing, you know, you know, it used to be like after the legal process was done, that's when, you know, the punishment would have been handed down by the NFL only if there was like a prosecution or something like that. But with the Zeke whole thing, you know, after all that went down and nothing came of it on the legal side from him, the NFL still punished him. And then the NFL punished Tom Brady, you know, with that whole throwing his phone away thing. So after that, I'm like, all right, there's a good chance that these people might not be available to me, but if I get them at a severe discount, 
knowing that they may be on the shelf for a little bit and then I can't use them like when I can, or actually the buying, I mean, the selling opportunity may be blown up when it's time for them to come back. So if I acquire them cheap, I hold them for a little bit and then I see like, oh, I can sell them for more than what I got them for, or I can use them to help my team. That's what it is. But no, when I see stuff like this, I'm always going to that owner and trying to see where their head's at. And if they are on tilt, if they are in panic mode, I am more than happy to help them out because I care. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> really kind of you. <laughs> lighten your burden to give him to me at a discount, then I will help you out. Yeah, it, it really goes one of two ways, right? So you're a Dolphins fan. Um, Tyreek Hill, he's been amazing ever since the, the legal trouble that he was alleged to get into. Um, it kind of resolved itself, though, right? So his his value dipped all the way down to a third round pick in some leagues. He might have even been dropped in some leagues. And now he's, you know, approaching 30 years old and worth multiple firsts. There's also potentially a Deshaun Watson type value drop and then never really rebounding to the point where he's a tradable asset. You're kind of stuck with him and you have to be okay with that when you take on some of these legal dips. Um, I'm personally somebody who, yeah, I, I'm probably an ambulance chaser a little bit in that regard. I'll, I'll try to send out a, you know, a second or the third and say, hey, are, are you out? Can I, can I take your flowers off your hands? <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's it's all fun and games until you trade J.K. Dobbins in the 104 for Deshaun Watson. And you just think like that's the greatest process trade ever. And then the 104 becomes C.J. Stroud. So, you know, I mean, hey, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I mean, that leads into our our main topic today, um, which, you know, I was driving um, this afternoon and I was thinking about actually a movie that I saw earlier. and that's Forrest Gump, which, of course, we need to talk about Forrest Gump on my first appearance on Dynasty Junkies. The reason I was thinking about Forrest Gump was all of the different professions and chapters of his life. He was not the most mentally capable man. Right. Um, but he was doing all of these amazing things. He was a, a shrimp boat captain. Right. Having never sailed before. He was the kick returner for the University of Alabama. Right. He led a transcendental ultra marathoning movement. Um, he did all sorts of crazy stuff. And I know this is a fictional character, um, but he wasn't the smartest guy. What he was, though, is somebody who was either taught great process or adapted and learned great process. And he focused exclusively on that with whatever he was doing in his life. Um, you know, he, he, he told Jenny I may not be smart, but I know what love is. But I also think he may not be smart, but he knows what process is. And I think if if he were to play Dynasty Fantasy Football, I think he would be really good at it. So I just wanted to start there. Um, I think that there are certain fundamental truths. Top 2%, people. Top 2%. Right there. (laughs) I think there's certain fundamental truths that if you teach somebody and they really take it in, and buy into that process and implement it with a sole focus that they will be excellent at dynasty. I think that the dynasty market, the dynasty community sometimes outthinks itself. We get too smart for our own good and we try to find edges that aren't really there. And there's a lot of pitfalls in that. And so because I had you on today, Chris, 
I just wanted to talk through all three of our fundamental truths in how we approach Dynasty at this point in the year, because now is the time to really hone in on who we are as Dynasty managers and what it is we're about, because everything we do over the next six months is going to echo from those real pillars of who we are as Dynasty players. What do you guys think? I agree 100%. Like, you know, you have to have your core values and, um, you know, and stick to them because if you don't, if you're all over the place, like one of my good friends in dynasty, like he changes his mind and his process every four weeks. And he wonders why he is perpetually stuck in the middle, you know? And I'm like, pick a lane, go for it. Like decide what kind of owner you want to be and be that, you know, don't change because you see, Oh, this guy did this or somebody tweeted this and you completely change your entire process and wonder why you don't have any consistency. So I, I think that is a great point to be made. Awesome, man. Well, Scott, I want to kick it to you first. Let's get your first fundamental truth as a dynasty manager. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so I, I don't really play by the rules as most of you know, um, but essentially my 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 first truth is my second truth is my third truth is my fourth truth and they all kind of work together and what's really awesome about this is i actually heard uh leo pasiga talking about this a couple months ago on um the dtc podcast with uh with our friends izzy and and uh jp <clears throat> and then um so i'm in like a harvard business class with like psych <laughs> it's kind of like a a way to look at things a way to look at business like through psychology and so um the biggest thing right now one of the things we're talking about is like economies and i've literally been able to apply this to every area of life i've talked about it um in you know business meetings to you know everyday life to dynasty fantasy football and what it is, is it, it's it's called VUCA and it comes from like back in the day, most economies were considered like capitalist or communist. But now most economies throughout the world are not really either of those. Um, you know, they may lean one way or another. Certainly some are closer to certain ends of the spectrum. Uh, but VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, chaos or complexity and ambiguity. And essentially those are all the different things that we face almost every day in life. Um, so no matter, you know, the situation, whatever your career is, you probably face this on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in real estate and it's a weird, weird time for real estate. The last couple of years, frankly, have been with the pandemic and, uh, you know, interest rates and, and all sorts of, you know, housing shortages and, uh, different generations and, it's just a confluence of events that's just creating all these um, crazy things. And I mean, it, it applies really well to Dynasty in, in the fact that you have all these content creators. Uh, you can find podcasts and articles and, you know, uh, calculators and whatever tools you're looking for. They're everywhere. Every different type of league. Everything is out there, whatever you want to do. Um, and so you kind of go through this process and every everything has volatility, uncertainty, chaos, or amb ambiguity, right? And so the things that we have to do to deal with those, the five key strategies to success is, you know, psychological safety. 
number one, like figuring out what it is that, you know, makes us feel like we, you know, makes us, makes us feel safe from a psychological standpoint. So like, I understand that best probably in the real estate standpoint, somebody buying a house or selling a house, it's, it's the why you're doing it. It's not the actual what you're doing. Um, you know, why do you, why do you play dynasty football? Why do you prefer these types of leagues? What, you know, what are you, what environment are you most comfortable in? Um, and then, you know, number two, dependability. So essentially I relate that to consistency, like doing for me, um, with the portfolio would be uh, process and keeping things consistent. And just like what Chris was saying with, you know, switching things up and doing different things. Yeah. It's, it's good to try new things, but like have a plan for it and then be able to track it and figure out like, is it having an effect? Is it doing anything? Is it good? Is it bad? Like, you know, be able to measure it, right? We need measurable. Um, So number three, structure and clarity. So just being clear on, you know, what, what it is you're trying to accomplish, you know, winning maybe, right? Like that, that's a good start. Um, and then having a structure, a plan, a process to get there. And then, you know, four and five maybe don't apply necessarily to dynasty. Although I think we kind of apply them here by having a podcast and being able to touch other people, um, you know, four create meaning and five impact. And so like, that's something I do when I'm helping somebody make the biggest you know, financial decision of their lives. When you're selling hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions in in one single transaction, um, you know. But for us here, we get to interact with so many people, and we get to, uh, you know, be able to share what we do and what we love. And in in more ways, it's usually good. <laughs> Although there's certainly some bad we've seen this community. You know, maybe uh, commissioners should should pay out their leaks, but hey you know, um, things like that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I know that was a long, a long thing there that didn't really have a lot to do with anything and yet had everything to do with everything. So, uh, take, take from that what you will, but, uh, that's exactly where my mind went and my mind's been on that every day since, since learning that, um, I don't know, a couple months ago. I think a lot of what we do as dynasty managers is draw from our real lives. Right. And I think that's a huge value. And that's why I love talking to people like you, because we have entirely different world experiences. Um, so VUCA was a, a new acronym for me. <laughs> I, I'm excited to dig further into that. Um, but Chris, what, what do you have? What's your first pillar of uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football? Okay. Um, and for me, like, yeah, VUCA is great. Like, by the way, before I get into it, like, that is great. I'm sitting there listening <laughs> to you talk about this and I'm like, Oh man, like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to sign up for your Ted talk. Like, I mean, that's great. It, <laughs> so I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but as for me, like, uh, the first pillar for me is to realize that, or to understand that it is a game and by it being a game, we should have fun. Now when you're junkies like us and we dig into it a little different and, you know, like a, a little more than, you know, some people might, you know, cause it means a lot to us and we enjoy it. And when you start getting into it and you go in deeper and deeper, it could become a job at some point. And if you have owners, because we've all been in leagues where owners just don't engage or aren't active and everything, and then you find yourself getting angry at these people, you know, if we just pull it back a little bit, like it is a game, we're supposed to have fun. And so in having fun, that means that, yes, if I feel I want to have this player on my team, but every analyst on Twitter is telling me that I'm an idiot for wanting this guy, Okay, I'm paying my dues and everything, and I'm going to be happier with them watching them on Sunday. So 
you you can you can do that. It is okay. It is okay to be different than what everybody's telling you because you want to be that way, right? So if it's going to make you happy, by all means. At the same time, you have to understand by being happy, you're going to have to live with the decisions that you make. So, <laughs> so that's all a part of it. So if you're going to have fun with it, then you also have to deal with the consequences of having that fun. You know, like my mom used to always tell me, you know, if you're going to be stupid, you know, you better be tough. You know, so <laughs> it's kind of like this. So if you want to have more fun than have a sound process and everything, that is your right to do. And you should because it makes you happy. But understand your results might be a little varied with that. So, that, I mean, that's my first. Um, and then going into like my second pillar or whatever. So a few minutes ago, I just said that, you know, that you shouldn't be changing your whole thing every couple of weeks or whatever and not really having a process or a plan. Um but my second pillar is to be fluid. And so it sounds kind of contradictory, but it all works together, whatever. So what I mean by um, being fluid is to, okay, so we've, this time of the season, like you say, time of the non-point scoring part of the season, like we're putting together our plan, our thoughts, our processes of what we need to do to accomplish our ultimate goal, which is to win. You know, so we're going to get into this and be like, all right, this is how I think my team should be set up. These are the type of players or assets that I want to acquire. These are the type that I want to get rid of. And you're thinking this is what you got to do. You have like a loose outline of how the season's going to go. All right. But as we get into the offseason and everything, like we we're talking about these new coaching schemes and everything and what we think might happen. Yes. Having an idea of what you think is going to happen is great because it could give you an edge. But let's say what I think is going to happen with the commanders and I see the first week of, you know, OTAs that they're not doing anything remotely close to what I was thinking. I mean, I need to change my process or whatever. Right. So I need to be like, Oh, and it's okay to be wrong because being wrong is a learning process. So it can be a tool, you know? So what you think, as long as your process is sound, I mean, it's okay. Just be fluid, you know? So as things change, you have to be changed. Don't have take lock and just be like, Oh, it's gotta be this because this is what I said I was going to do because then you find yourself at the bottom looking up a lot. Um, <clears throat> And that leads into my third pillar, which is don't be afraid. Like, you know, this is dynasty or whatever. And we're all basically, you know, like formulating like our opinions and hypotheses and guesses and everything. And we're seeing if it comes true, if it comes to fruition. We hope that it does more often than not, but sometimes that it doesn't or whatever. But there's so many players out there that are afraid to make any type of move because they're scared of what might happen. Like, they're like, oh, ah, I really need to move this player, you know, and I want to make this trade or whatever, but the league is going to laugh at me. Or what I just heard on this podcast, they were telling me that it would be, you know, not smart to do this or whatever. Like, I mean, don't be afraid to do that because <clears throat> it feels better to follow your gut or to trust your process and follow through on it. And then come back and be like, oh, I was wrong, but I learned where I went wrong. So this is how I can correct it next time versus at the end of the season being like, oh, I knew I should have picked up Puka Nakua off that waiver wire. Like, you know, I knew that I couldn't trust Cam Akers, so I should have gotten Kyron Williams. Or I knew that X player had the propensity to get hurt. You know, like Mark Andrews is going to get hurt. So, you know, Isaiah likely would be nice to have, you know, so it is a much better feeling when you're like, okay. It didn't work out for me. That's cool. Then be like, ah, I knew it, but I didn't do it because I was scared that somebody would laugh at me because they don't think the way that I think. So 
be yourself, unapologetically you, like, you know, have fun and change as you need to change, but don't be afraid to play like it's a game. Let's enjoy ourselves. I think you're muted. Sorry. There you go. Uh, excellent. Excellent points, Chris. I, I agree with you across the board there, um, especially the don't be afraid part. Um, my my brother-in-law, who's been in fantasy forever, he's had he's always done well, just has really bad luck, but he always has really good teams. And I was like, you got to try Dynasty. You have a little bit more control. There's slightly less luck factor to it. You you have, you know, if you're out of it, you can make some moves, you can do some different things, or when you're close, you can add that extra piece. And he uh, he basically went like a year and a half without making a trade, uh, you know, and he'd do some waivers, but he didn't do a lot. And he's like, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's the right value. I don't know. And eventually it just got to the point where like I said, okay, well, here's your last two first round picks. How are they working out? And I mean, they they weren't basically. They were complete, complete bust. And I said, so what if you trade that first this year for a player who's producing? You know, yeah, it could be the next guy, but it, but look at your track record so far. It's it's 0 for 2. So why not get a guy you know can help you now? And so uh, he finally did go for it. He finally opened up to that, started making some moves. This year, about week uh 12 he decided my team doesn't quite have it i'm gonna trade tyreek hill now because i want to you know look to the future he trades tyreek hill for a first and and uh like tyje spears or something right so it's fine you know it's a fair offer it's good it's it's a fine return for a player of his age right well he now goes on to make the playoffs face the team that he traded tyreek to tyreek was hurt he beat him and then he goes on to win the championship because he was no longer afraid to make those moves. Even if he was going to be wrong, he said, I'm not going to be afraid to just play and do what I want to do and see what happens. And this is the first league that he's actually ever won in his entire life. Uh, so it was just, it was kind of a cool story to just see him like get over that. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm right or not. Guess what? None of us do. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many leagues you're in or how long you've been playing. We don't know. So Great trade and congrats on the win, bro. A big part of having fun for me as well is churning my roster. You've got what, 25, maybe 30 players on most of your dynasty fantasy football teams. There's probably what, 350 assets out there. I don't want to be stuck with the same guys year over year over year. That's a really fun part is rooting for different players as well, especially if you're not in a ton of leagues. So I think both of those link up um, perfectly for me in, in my perspective of playing Dynasty. Um, but I'm going to get into mine. Um, my first pillar, it's probably controversial this time of year. Um, it's winning matters. Try to win fantasy football games come fall. We're at a point in the season where having the most attractive looking roster is the end goal for a lot of people. They want to have... Uh, Twitter likes. They want to have people envy their teams. And that doesn't always translate to ROI at the end of the year, as much as, you know, we all argued over that, that term. Winning is fun for me. And so that's my primary lens. If I'm going to look at any transactions that I make over the next eight months, it's through that lens. It's saying like, hey, is this going to help me win this year? If not, 
why am I making this deal? And there may be totally valid reasons and I still may make the transaction. However, I need to have a reason to make the move. Um, I'm, I'm very much a process oriented person. And so that is the first thing that I'm looking at is, does this help me win uh, come week one, come week 10 of next year? My second pillar is to be different. And that's not just to like be provocative or whatever. Like if you're in a 12 team league, you're playing with other 11 other managers. So you have about an 8% chance to win if you're to just roll the die every year and everyone is of equal skill and has equal access to these different players. I don't like those odds. If I'm playing exactly the same as everyone else, I have to be better than them at the same exact skills. And I'm not. I know that I'm not because I've tried playing that way and it doesn't work for me. And so I'm not saying you need to invent your own philosophy and be some savant at fantasy football. What I'm proposing to the listeners is that you just look at what your league mates are doing. It's pretty obvious on a surface level what people are trying to accomplish in a dynasty fantasy football league and adopt a strategy that nobody else is doing. If you're playing in a super flex tight end premium league and people are undervaluing tight ends, get all of them, right? Try a QBX strategy, maybe. Try a QB horde or use Rocky's strategy of getting old, undervalued quarterbacks. Do whatever everybody else isn't doing. And you, the reason you do this is because the values are so much better. You're not having to deal with the dynasty market of thousands of different leagues. You're having to deal with 11 other managers. And they have biases that can be exploited. By being different than them, you are by default exploiting their biases. That's something that I've had a lot of success with over the past few years, is just leaning into doing what other people aren't in my individual leagues. Finally, my third pillar is just asking the question of what if I'm wrong? I have opinions. I'm on a podcast right now. Of course I have opinions. I don't weigh them heavier than what historic base rates tell me. I know that I love certain players and I need to have reasons behind why I love those players and why I'm willing to pay over market value or willing to sell under market value for those individual assets. I think a lot of people love to have hot takes. They love to be in on guys. And that's definitely a losing strategy if you aggregate this over a thousand transactions, right? An individual transaction here and there can be great strategy. However, lean on historical base rates. Know what first round wide receivers do uh, when they're rookies. They have about a 50-50 chance of hitting over the first couple of years. Just know that. Have an eyes wide open approach if you're going to be drafting, trading for those assets or relying on them in your starting lineup. So I'm going to pause there, open it up to both of you, Scott. I'll, I'll uh, ask you first, what do you think of my three pillars? You're on mute again, my man. This button actually works, which is really cool. So <clears throat> there's a button on my mic. I can actually mute myself without having to click. That's It's amazing. Okay. Um, so having a chance to get to know you a little bit, like over the last year or so, and um, seeing how you approach things in just such a totally different way, like it's just, um, it, it just opens you up to different possibilities. And so uh, I, I love the fact that you're willing to lean into things, try them, and then 
and then see if they actually work, not just, you know, hey, let's check out the results here and let's, you know, let's quantify it and and make some moves going forward. So um, it's just it's it's so hard to find, um, you know, yeah, everybody kind of does things a little bit differently, but like Andrew, Rocky and I to do things so differently and then to now find a fourth person that is even even more different right from that perspective like we just have such a great opportunity here to be able to to do kind of a mind meld and and really like figure out some interesting fun things to do and then and then getting like the listener feedback too is great because you know people start trying those things too and then we get their feedback so we actually get to like shorten learning curve from that standpoint right so um yeah i mean in in every way and you know the what if i'm wrong part of it I feel is so uh, like I take that so literal, like what happens if I make this trade and, you know, what if I trade for Zay Jones and or uh, Zay Flowers and he gets arrested, you know, like what, you know, what if, like, what's the, what if, I don't know, any play, it could happen to any player. Right. So like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy it and have fun and do my process and then we'll figure it out. And you don't, you don't always make trades assuming you're wrong, but you know, you can't make every trade assuming, you know, the highest end ceiling outcome either. Right. So you kind of have to look at everything uh, from that standpoint. Um, Chris, what do you think? I, I, I love your three pillars. I agree with all of them. Um, like the first one winning matters. Yes. Winning does matter. It, uh, it surprises me um, in so many of my leagues to see so many owners that really aren't trying to win, you know, like one of my good friends, like the guy that I was telling you about earlier, like, I mean, it's a good friend of mine. And I think he just loves to just be in leagues, but he never really has like a desire to win. Like, I mean, I've known him for going on five years now and he's been tanking for five years. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? But, uh, <laughs> you know, yes, winning does matter. Absolutely. And then being different, like that is everything you said. I agree with that. It's a great way to gain an advantage when you see everybody's doing something this way, you know, like you can scoop up a couple more apples for your basket going a different way. So I agree with that. And, but the, what is wrong? I mean, what if I'm wrong part? I really love that, you know, cause that also like, you know, ties into my whole thing of not being afraid, you know? So when you do make a transaction, when you do make a trade or you make, um, you know, like some type of move in dynasties, you have to ask yourself that question. Like, all right, if I'm wrong, like what is the worst that can happen? And are you OK with what can, you know, what bad can happen? You know, like um, if I were one of those people that acquired um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, going into last season, like I would have to ask myself, all right, like what if I'm wrong? Like what if the Jets are absolutely terrible and he's not the missing piece, which I did not believe he was the missing piece. And, you know, but that's neither here nor there. People might say I'm a hater because if you see like what's behind me, but anyhow, <laughs> you have to be prepared for that. So if I were to acquire Aaron Rodgers, I would have to be prepared for him to go into uh, New York and look like Zach Wilson. You know, like it could just be that it just wasn't going to work there, you know, and unfortunately he got hurt and never really got to see what could happen. But Yes, like understanding what what can go wrong and not being afraid, you know, don't let that fear of what can go wrong deter you from following your process. You know, like I think it all ties in together and it's, I think it's beautiful. I think everything both of you guys said is really, really awesome. And like, I think I will be a better manager listening to you guys as pillars tonight. 
I think that it's something that all of us can do, listeners included, right? Just think about what is what is the core component of how you play Dynasty. It doesn't have to be anything super profound. I, I mean, arriving to the conclusion that I want to win did not take very long. <laughs> but it also informs the fact that I only rebuild for one year. Like, I am unwilling to rebuild for longer than one year. I will exit and just do my best to be competitive. If I'm the seventh seed, so be it, you know? And that's just, that's who I have decided to be as a fantasy player. Um, so those were all really great. I appreciate y'all sharing them. Um, we did have one Dynasty Junkie Listener League trade. Um, do we want to get into that right now, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's go ahead and do that. Um, interesting trade this time of year, but uh, you know, you usually see that maybe at a trade deadline. So uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely want to get Chris's thoughts on this one. Um, I will. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it off here. So the uh, Dynasty Junkies two squad, um, which in this league um consists of i think that's andrew's uh team yeah and so okay the laughing lizards gave up nick chubb brandon cooks and tyler lockett and received jacoby myers tucker craft and a couple of fourth round picks so chubb cooks lockett for jacoby myers craft and a couple of late dart throws um, I'm going to let you guys, uh, start in on that. Chris, uh, you know, wrap your head around that one and, and let us know what you think. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm looking at it and I'm, I guess I just have questions of the mindset of, you know, like the trade. Um, is it, see, without really knowing, like, you know, like it's in a vacuum, I don't really know like how the league is and what's going on or how these owners operate, but, um, so let me just, all right, I'm going to read it again just to make sure I got this. So Chubb Cooks Lockett for Jacoby Myers, Tucker Craft, two-fourths. Um, it really just feels like the Laughing Lizards don't believe that Chubb is going to return to any sort of prominence is what it feels like to me. And they're trying to, like, get what they can now before more bad news comes out is how it feels like to me. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think that Chubb is one of those like freak type people that, um, you know, after it happened, like that same night, they were saying that it wasn't as bad as they initially thought it was. And, you know, like everything that I've heard, but again, with a grain of salt, with everything you hear, like everybody's ahead of their rehab schedule. Um, but yeah, so Chubb is the major piece I see like Brandon cooks. I'm not really, uh, you know, like holding out a lot that's going to continue with him in his career. And Lockett, I'm not sure where he's going to end up in the offseason or whatever. I don't know if he's going to stay with Seattle or go somewhere else and what role he might be in. But um, Jacoby Myers, there's still questions in Las Vegas with that. Um, Tucker Craft, I don't even know if he is the tight end of preference in Green Bay right now. You know? Uh, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> that was a hot topic a couple weeks ago, too. That's funny. But, um, I mean, and then the fourths, like, there are dart throws. For me, I'm definitely – I would want the Chubb side of the trade just because I feel that he is the best player still even coming off of that injury. And I think that he will give me, like, more of a sustaining force in the next season than, you know, playing the lottery, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's be honest. This is a weird trade this time of year. It's just – it's a bizarre one. Um, it's, it's tough to unpack. The way I see it, there's there's a couple forces going on. Uh, one manager is getting 
three players, one is getting two, right? So we're clearing up a roster spot. There's some advantage to that this time of year. Maybe somebody had more draft picks than um, they wanted to make some, some extra room. What I see this as, if I were receiving the Chubb, Cooks, and Lockett side, what I would be tempted to do is liquidate the wide receiver's above cooks and locket on my roster so i would try to get really really lean and utilize those near replacement level veterans as my wide receiver three essentially streaming a wide receiver two or three spot with them knowing that i can always buy back in to wide receiver right and you're getting a running back in addition you know you're you're hoping that you can get some useful starts out of that so that side of the trade does entice me um I do love Tucker Craft, the player. So this is sort of a debate for me of am I betting on individual players or am I betting on roster construction and profiles um, if I'm going to make this deal? But I agree with you, Chris. I think I'm taking the Chubb side. Scott, do you have a, a lean on this trade? Yeah, so I, I specifically didn't give you guys any more context to start here just to kind of get your thoughts on some of these players i mean we always kind of hear like oh you know don't trade the old guy in january you know trade him at the deadline type of thing but <clears throat> there is there is value in gaining a roster spot and so both of these teams um andrew and i think uh the other team is uh matthew's team um they finished second and fourth in the standings this year so both teams were you know contenders um and in it um <clears throat> And, you know, Andrew's been wheeling and dealing, making some moves. He made a, another trade um, a week or two ago, and he's been doing that pretty much with this roster, just kind of um, making a lot of moves to to try to win. And so I understand why he's buying the production, because to me, he didn't really give up anything that is significant or likely to be. Um, like I don't, you know, at this point in Jacoby Myers career, it's not like he's going to all of a sudden vault to another tier, um, you know, most likely, um, granted, I think I actually, I like that piece of the deal. I mean, players wise, I think I'd rather have that side. Um, but you know, Matthew's side, the laughing lizards, basically he, he's gating a roster spot. He's getting a couple of, uh, you know. I'll throw in a fourth to make, get a deal done, or I'll buy a clarified start at some point in the season. So he's just putting some ammo in, in uh, for the future. And then he's getting a little bit younger, you know, his roster is starting to age a little bit. So now he gets a chance to, to get younger and move some guys, but it is a 14 team start 11. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty deep. Uh, so all those players will likely hit starting lineups at some point this season, regardless of, you know, even saying that in February, you could pretty confidently say that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it's, it's a trade we don't often see this time of year. So I thought it was worth bringing up and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I get it for both teams based on everything there. Uh, you know, Rocky and I co-manage a, a team in this league, so we're hoping it doesn't work out for anyone, but you know, that's, that's just us. Yeah, that's awesome. The dynamic totally changes when you have that many teams starting that many players. Um, and so looking at it at, at surface value versus having the additional context. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it feels fair. I'm, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna lean too heavily on either side in February. <laughs> All right. For sure. Should we get into our signature segment of the night? Let's do it. Okay. It is 
officially time for find me a trade. This trade was submitted by Bobby Bragg at Braggy at Bragg Bobby on Twitter X, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, this is an MFL league. It is a so this is why I think um, I don't know. Did you? I don't know if Tommy you chose this one or if if uh, Andrew might have thrown this on the sheet for us. Um, but uh, it is a ten team one quarterback standard scoring and start eight. So yeah. we're just talking about a 14 team start 11. This is a 10 team start eight. This is an all-star league. There's 80 starters. I mean, <laughs> I have some rosters that were up to like 63 players between IR and taxi squad last year. And there's only 80 starters in this league. So yeah. uh, like we talked about earlier, play what you enjoy, no judgment here. Uh, but you definitely have to look at this through a different lens. Um, so let's see. Uh, manager's thoughts. Okay. Do you want to, Tommy, you want to do the roster or do you want to read his uh, blurb here? Oof. Yeah, I'll do the manager's thoughts. I'm not okay. great at reading off a sheet of paper. I'll That's good. I'll get it. No worries. <laughs> um, all right. So this is his second year in the league. Took over an orphan. Doesn't really know anybody else aside from one other manager. Uh, made a few moves to get in the playoffs in the first season. Got third place. Awesome. Um the, they, they feel like they have a competing team, right? They want to get to the title. They want to win it all, like it. Um, they have some future picks in their pocket. And yeah, it's it's really shallow. And they're pretty aware of it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the roster here at quarterback. Remember, again, it's one quarterback. So he has Justin Fields, Jordan Love, and Matthew Stafford. Seems like overkill on one quarterback, but, you know, um, <clears throat> running back, any running backs of note here, James Conner, Najee Harris, Roshan, Keaton Mitchell, DeAndre Swift, uh, wide receivers, Traylon Burks, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, C.D. Lamb, uh, Devontae Smith, JSN, Michael Wilson, tight end, um, Pitts, uh, the aforementioned Tucker Craft, Noah Fant, Zach Ertz um and mike williams on ir so you know a few a few pieces here and there um nothing spectacular but i certainly had some strong <laughs> views on this one but um you know why don't we start with our guest mr deviant he's not a professional bio writer but he can find you a trade so um chris if you want to start with the trade that you found and uh, give your thoughts on this one Okay. Now, let me start by saying, like, yeah, this is a tough league to find a trade in just because of the setup. You know, like you were just saying earlier, like 80 starters um, and it's a super team. So going through like the rosters of all these teams and trying to find like a trade that actually will benefit both players, you know, versus just saying like, hey, we can make this trade. But then this guy's got 27 wide receivers and he doesn't want what you're offering. So, I mean, it really just seems like uh, the lineup, the trade that I came up with is like a uh, packaging Kyle Pitts, um, Jackson Smith and Jigba and your third, like to Gary's team to try to get Ken Walker and um, Mark Andrews as they're willing to do that. And my thought process behind this, um, it's going to benefit both teams. Gary's team, he'll get a little more wide receiver depth, a little light there. And um, your team, like, like looking at it, like right now it seems okay in February, but um, there's a lot of, injury prone players on there and we still don't know what Kyle Pitts is going to be 
Like we are still thinking that he's going to be what everyone wanted him to be a few years ago. And it just has not come to fruition right now. And there's going to be a lot of excitement around Pitts right now because Arthur Smith is gone. So now everybody's thinking ding dong Smith is gone. So Kyle Pitts is automatically going to be Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey wrapped into one, which I'm really not. I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I honestly don't know. So if you could uh, like gain that leverage to like help yourself out, that'd be great. And then it will help, um, you know, like you're kind of deep at wide receiver, but kind of aging a little well. You, so like your starters are probably like Cooper cup, CD lamb, Devontae Smith. Like that is a great like trio right there, but how much, Trust that we have in Cooper Cup, seeing that the last two years he's had weird injuries. And those weird injuries really just start to freak me out when we get a wide receiver who is over the age apex. Um, you know, so I would be looking to move on from him. Like, but I don't know the way the season ended with him like taking a backseat to Puka a little bit, if you really can get much for him. But um the tight end, I don't trust Kyle Pitts. So like I would be looking to upgrade from that. And then with the running backs. I do not trust Najee. I do not trust Swift and James Connor is injured a lot. Um, so I'd be looking to just to shore up that a little bit and uh, to shore up the tight end. But I mean, if you feel that Kyle Pitts is going to be that guy at some point in his career that we all want him to be, I mean, then you can hold on to that. Um, I personally like the way I play dynasty. Like I don't hold a lot of hope, you know, like hope's not winning me leagues, you know, so when OPM I see, is dangerous. <laughs> yes. So when I see you like, you know, there's so many excuses for him for Kyle Pitts, but I've seen like three years of Kyle Pitts, you know, he was good his rookie season, but the last two years, I mean, I'm not seeing anything that makes me like encouraged. Um, so if I can sell that hope to somebody else and actually get somebody that I know is going to score me some points, that's the way I will move. But yeah, it's tough with this, uh, the setup with this league, but also if you don't want to do something like that, Moving one of the quarterbacks, I know you're a little worried about thinking that you're thin at quarterback, but it's a one QB league um, and it's a 10 teamer. Um, and with so if you moved either Love or Fields, like you still have a quality starter. And Matthew Stafford, if he does not retire, is a more than adequate backup in a one QB league, in my opinion. So moving a quarterback to somebody who likes him, because look at some of the transactions, teams are liking quarterbacks in this league. So you probably can get a lot more bang for your buck if you decided to move one of those guys. I love that trade. I almost constructed the exact same deal. So you and I are on the same page. And this this hits my filters of those fundamental pillars, right? You are choosing to win. You're you're saying like, hey, I'm going to get a running back in February. I, I want to get points in this very shallow format. You're saying, hey, what if I'm wrong about Kyle Pitts? You're, you're buying into a known profile in Mark Andrews. This is not a heavy premium format or anything. You can always kind of buy into the older tight ends or tight ends as they age into their late 20s in this format, I would guess. Um, so I absolutely love your trade. A little bit more context about the league that I think is important uh, through uh, the, the roster limits. You can roster 30 players in a 1QB start eight league. That is a lot of players. Not only that, there's five rounds in the rookie draft. And so waivers are pretty thin, even though this is a, a shallow format. And so I wonder if the bottom 15 players on your roster really matter. 
And I don't, I don't think the, the churn there is going to be super relevant. So where your churn needs to be is sort of at the 10th to 15th best player on your roster. And I think you're accomplishing an upgrade in your starting position, better depth at running back, and really attending to the part of your roster that actually does matter. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly that's exactly where I, where I'm gonna go with it when we get to mine. But um, essentially, <clears throat> the the first thing I try to do uh, in this when I, when I'm looking at this in the past, I kind of had a process for these. I've done a lot of these now over the last couple of years. Um, what I did with this one today is I looked at the roster first. Okay. Or yesterday, I think I looked at the roster first and I didn't look at what he said. I didn't look at the settings. I didn't look at anything. I just looked at the roster. I just want to know what does this look like? And so I was kind of shocked actually by the settings because of exactly what you're saying when I'm looking at how many players are rostered and then how many players you start. And so um, now if you've heard me talk at all recently, uh, I hosted trade addicts last week. I'll be hosting a little bit going forward, filling in for Russ. Um, so I, what I've been talking about is the whole tight end, the whole changing of the guard and, and really finding that position. Now I'm generally talking about that in tight end premium leagues, but I feel like it's, it's very important too, when you only have start eight, there's only eight spots that you can improve. And so when there's, you have to lock in that tight end every week, regardless of it being a, a premium, you're at a disadvantage every week against all nine other managers in the league. And so I'm, I love the trade. Uh, you're exactly right, Chris. It's very tough in this, in this, uh, without being in the league to really construct a trade. And so I think you did a phenomenal job that that was a, a great trade. Um, Tommy, I'm going to actually let you go next so I can, uh, follow up with with my final yeah happy to i appreciate it i initially like i said constructed almost the the same trade um so i i did have to pivot but when i was looking at this team i looked at the other managers because that's that's what i do right and the other contenders because this uh manager wants to they want to win a championship if you're going to do that you need to add almost 13 points per game to your starting lineup in a start eight, that is really, really tough to do. Um, we can't predict who is going to be really good at running back. It's the least predictable position. And so I like just attacking that with volume, um, not necessarily trying to decide in February who's going to be a good player at the running back position. Wide receiver blends in beyond the top, really six, but 16 wide receivers are the only ones that really matter. And beyond that, like whatever. And they're so overcooked in value right now. Um, and so I didn't I didn't want to make a trade there. I love Mark Andrews. If you can get that, that deal done, please do. I think that's a great deal for your championship window. Um, however, I wanted to give you a quarterback trade because I think that in a start eight, quarterback is a position that is repeatable, reliable, um, and can provide a difference. The top six quarterbacks really do matter. And I don't think you have a top six quarterback. I think you have too many quarterbacks, but I don't think you have a top six quarterback. And so I looked through uh, the DLF trade finder and I was just seeing who are people into, who are people out of, um, and just went down the list from quarterback one down to six um, in point scoring potential in my mind. And I arrived at Kyler Murray 
I think he is undervalued right now. I think in a one quarterback league, he is the most attainable difference maker that you can get right now at the quarterback position. Um, and so what I thought you should do is really, first of all, cut some of these wide receivers, get rid of the uh, Calvin Austins, the Michael Gallup, Zay Jones, Jonathan Mingo, KJ Osborne. Um, just get rid of them because you want to have your opponents hopefully draft them um, because you don't want to have those players on your roster. You're never going to start them and you want to have more running backs available to you. But after you do that, um, I think you should trade Traylon Burks and Justin Fields for Kyler Murray. You're just, you're moving another roster spot. You're clearing it up to give yourself an opportunity to fill it with a second or third string running back. I saw Ronnie Rivers was available on waivers. Just grab him after you do this trade um, and get a little bit more security. And I think a little bit more consistent upside in Kyler Murray over Justin Fields. Even if Traylon Burks hits, how much of a difference is he going to make in a very crowded wide receiver position? Uh, I'm not worried about losing him in this format. I don't think I would really ever be enticed to start him. He's just going to sit on my bench and have some form of trade value. Let's cash that in right now. A thousand percent. Um, I, I totally agree that <clears throat> you actually, in a one quarterback league, you think, oh, I don't want the, you know, I don't, I don't care about quarterback. And I've been of that approach for many years. Uh, but when there's eight starters, you have to now say, where can I make a difference? And having an elite quarterback does make a difference. And I do see that you had hurts in the past and you made a trade. We don't know what that trade is, um, but that's okay. It looks like quarterbacks are moving as Chris mentioned earlier that quarterbacks are, you're able to trade them in this league. So that's fantastic. So let's go make another move two guys that are uh, questionable at best with Burks and Fields, and you get a guy with Kyler that's probably about to get some sort of upgrade here, hopefully uh, hopefully a top receiver with uh, three prime initials. But, um, you know, that it's just a good scenario, plus you get the rushing upside. I mean, there's, there's a lot of hope there. And then you still have Jordan Love, too, who you just picked up in that mix-in trade. You got you traded away an aging running back, for a young upside quarterback and got a third on top of it. So I, I really um, normally I would say, I don't care about quarterbacks. I'm on quarterback league, but in this league, I think that was a, that was kind of a, a nice little trade that you made there. And then it, it perfectly, it cascades into this trade now that Tommy uh, presented. And I think, it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Chris, let's get your thoughts on that. And, uh, and then I'll jump into mine. I mean, you know, like just to drive the point home, everything that you guys have already said, I like, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. Like you got to find those advantages where you can. And like when there's only, uh, you know, eight starters, you got to get it where you can. And like Kyler Murray, I think that's good. Like um, as a matter of fact, I was asking like the question, like uh, a couple well, yesterday, Wednesday, like who would you rather have if you're like thinking between like Tua, Tunga Iloa, Brock Purdy or Kyler Murray? And the overwhelming majority of people who responded to that were saying Kyler Murray. And um, even when he came back with that team in Arizona last year, like I think he exceeded expectations with what a lot of people were expecting. And just like Scott said, like they help him out in the draft. Like it could be better. But I think that's a really excellent trade, Tommy, to be honest with you. I appreciate that. Who do you have as your uh, as your trade, Scott? Okay, so like I said, uh, I looked at the roster first and then. 
you know what if you've if you've heard me go through find me a trade in the past i do my trade separate i don't look at the sheet i don't want to be influenced by anything that i see and um my my initial target to get was mark andrews so uh i did i did uh come up with a couple different options here because uh obviously you guys both want that direction too it's actually shocking considering tommy and i have never done this uh together before so the fact that that came up and then you add in chris as well the fact that we all came up with you know targeting a mark andrews um i thought was was actually uh pretty awesome um but i want to kind of bring everything together here give some overall observations and uh and then take it from there so um i the advantage we have of doing find me a trade in february is that we get to see what just happened in the league last year and then we you know we can't really be wrong about what's going to happen going forward because nobody knows right so all we can kind of do is project but um at the same time we we want to we want to make good process moves and you know figure out how to get on the right track so you say you want to go for it with this roster i understand why um and you did make a run you had the five seed but you're actually seventh in points out of the 10 teams so you got a little lucky with the schedule or with the record or however i didn't look into how exactly that that lined up but you, you got lucky from that standpoint, but points wise, seven out of 10. So to me, that's not a contender. Um, and even though you do have the pieces to contend, and I understand there were a lot of injuries, um, but I also think probably you made a bit of a run because we just saw that a lot this year. And we saw the, the one seeds losing. Uh, it just, it just happened a lot for whatever reason, you know, performances and uh, you know, things lining up the way they did. So you got a little lucky, but it that's part of it. That's part of the game. You just got to get yourself in that position. And you did a great job with that. Um, however, I don't see it necessarily as a contender. Um, I also see that you said you have your future picks, but I'm looking at the future picks and it says you don't have your 24 first. So maybe I'm maybe I'm reading that wrong, but um, I'm just kind of saying like it, it got lucky and it's a little bit old. You do have some younger pieces, you know, Lamb and JSN for sure. But the roster is a little bit old, which is why I like the the mix and trade that you pulled off. Um, now, Jordan Love, I don't necessarily know how much you'd start him in this one quarterback league, but because we see the history and because we've uh, you know talked about this already, um, there's a lot of quarterback movement in this league. So moving an aging running back for Love, I think was brilliant. I love I love that trade in this league. Right, um, each league is its own market great job knowing your league and, and knowing what to target. Um, okay. So 10 teams start at 80 starters. I mean, that's you, you have to package up in every way possible, but if you have smart league mates, they know that already. So you're probably not going to get the two, three for one, four for one type deals. So you have to go a little bit more like, you know, what, what Chris did with three, you know, two for two, but adding in a pick, right. Something like that. The other thing is you can arbitrage by going for uh, future assets, meaning don't trade for the 24 picks, but trade for the 25 picks or the 26 picks. And especially with 10 teams, you have a better chance of that being, uh, you know, top four, top five, just with there being less teams. Right. So if you're able to use those, you can have that roster flexibility to be able to eventually get your ultimate goals of adding studs 
to go into your lineup and increasing your actual points in your lineup. Um, so the tight end position is where I wanted to focus, as I mentioned, as I've been talking about for a year now, uh, Pitts is scoring less than five points per week in this format. You know, again, standard scoring, uh, it's, it's wild. And that's actually 16th, um, uh, in tight end. So it's, it's not, it's not like atrocious, but I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, but basically you're at a disadvantage every single week, regardless of who your opponent is, you are at a disadvantage. I mean, Hunter Henry was outscoring you. So, uh, you're not even getting, um, you know, value average replacement value, right? You're, you're not getting anything there out of that position. So you have to upgrade it. Now, looking at your roster, one name jumped out to me in particular. We normally don't think running backs like, yeah, everybody wants to trade running backs this kind of year. Oh yeah. Brilliant move. Right. Yeah. Um, but Deandre Swift, I have seen some trades for him that are just blowing my mind. The guy's a free agent. Okay. He's a free. We don't know if he's going to be back with Philly. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Like, would anybody be shocked if he didn't even sign with a team to like August next year? Like, I just, I don't know. He's just not been that special and I loved him coming out. So like, that's <laughs> takes a lot for me to say that, but I mean, I don't know. Is, is he going to be back with Philly? Where's he going to be? We don't know his role. We don't know anything about him. And yet I'm seeing some of these trades in my leagues and uh, there there's one up here, DeAndre Swift for a 24 second. So you got your value there. Reroll, get the second. You could draft any, basically any running back you want this year. Uh, and then, and Chris Rodriguez on top of that. Now you got your NERB on a 53. So that's a perfect process move. Uh, another trade, DeAndre Swift and a third for a 25 first and Michael Carter. Again, you got a 25 first. Are you kidding me for DeAndre Swift all day? I will take that all day. I don't care what the league is um, taking it. And then you get again, any RB on a 53. Um, so taking that into account, seeing as people still have hope for him, right? Hopium. It's, it's the most dangerous drug in, in dynasty football. And so let's move Swift. And we're going to go to team Brandon's team uh, and trade him for Cole Komet and a 25 second. I just, I can't imagine a world in which that trade doesn't at least get countered. Um, yeah, it's, it's not some mind blowing trade. It's not some crazy thing, but you're going to immediately put points in your lineup. It's still a young tight end tied to a young quarterback uh, either, you know, regardless of what they do, uh, regardless of how they screw it up in Chicago. That's what I should say. Uh, and you know, ultimately you're moving off of a player of uncertainty and going to a player that, you know, has some sort of baseline improving. And guess what? If you're a Pitts fan and you do have that hopium, he's still on your roster. So, you know, you can move him later on uh, or, you know, roll with him, whatever you, whatever you want to do with that. I'd imagine if he's still on your roster, you probably just couldn't get a deal for him or, or you like him and you want to hang on to him. So now you kind of get the best of both worlds. So again, not a, uh, not a, a mind shattering trade by any means, but something that's going to get you pushing you in the right direction, keeping youth, adding assets, adding, uh, you know, roster flexibility. And that was a really long answer for find me a trade. So, uh, <laughs> I'm losing my voice a little bit, but, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that Tommy, uh, what do you think? I like it. I don't love it. Um, we have so many tight ends and tight ends don't really matter too much. 
I think if you're going to make a deal like this, you're doing it for the liquidity of the pick, which I really enjoyed that that part of it. But if you can try to pounce and liquidate a couple of these other tight ends, if and when the situation presents itself, you really want to be as lean as possible because you picked up Tucker Craft off waivers, right? So like there are going to, there are going to be opportunities to get somebody else if you truly only rostered one tight end in a 30 person roster start eight no premium like i would have no problem with that because you can always borrow from your league mates they they're going to be willing to trade you somebody and so as long as you're willing to liquidate the other positions you're not in love with a noah fant which i i'm really optimistic about or a tucker craft which again i'm optimistic about um as long as you can play the roster construction game effectively i think it's a good deal um chris did you have any thoughts on the swift trade no um i think you guys are cover that uh yeah, I, I have nothing that i can add to it you know yeah i mean it's a it's a very vanilla league which i think is actually fine because we're talking about sort of the very fundamentals of how we operate as dynasty managers and if we're to really be honest this is probably the type of format that most dynasty managers play in we love crazy settings we love super flex that doesn't mean that everybody does and so i i do enjoy practicing some of the fundamentals in these types of formats. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was an appropriate, um, appropriate league for everything we've talked about today. And, and I mean, frankly, this is the league that we all started playing in, right? Like there, there really wasn't another one until, you know, we, we met the uh, John Bosch's and, and uh, you know, all, all the craziness that we found as we became junkies. So um yeah with that uh chris i'm gonna let you give some closing thoughts anything you want to say tell the people where to find you uh make sure you're following at dynasty deviant on twitter um chris you tell them tell them what you got going on and uh and when they can listen to you and see you all right um so yes uh as scott just said you can find me at dynasty deviant um over on twitter actually on all the socials so twitter tiktok facebook uh, Instagram, you know, YouTube, um, trying to get a little more, put more stuff out there for you guys. Um, <clears throat> and you can find me over at fantasyandframes.com. Um, I have an article up that just came out a couple of days ago. That's about rebuilding in your dynasty, where I take a team that I'm rebuilding with and showing you how I'm doing it in my process, you know, to give you a little insight on that. Um, on Wednesdays, you can find me, you know, on the Fantasy and Frames family on YouTube, like our Dynasty 365 uh, podcast with Stacy Perez and Tyler Howe. Like um, we come to you at eight o'clock on Wednesdays um, <clears throat> and also on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. You can find me now on the, uh, the Shoot the Gap podcast for Fantasy and Frames also where we're talking about IDP. So I'm trying to get into Ooh. the IDP side of things and, you know. I feel it's going to make me a better offensive player if I know about the defense a little more. So doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm around. You'll see me like making stuff that's probably either going to try to motivate you or make you laugh. And I feel that with so much negativity that's out there, like especially in Twitter, you know, I refuse to call it X. With all that negativity that's out there, I'm just trying to put some stuff out there to uplift people and make people feel good about themselves. So um, come check me out. Check out, you know, the fantasyandframes.com. Uh, That's where you can find, like, a lot of stuff about redraft, dynasty, IDP. Got you covered with it all. But, um, yeah, so if you see me around, don't be ashamed to say hi. I'll speak back. I might make, like, a really bad joke. 
but you know, it's all in good fun. Like it's all love. So I appreciate you guys for letting me come on, like, you know, talk about, you know, some trades and cause I am a junkie. I love it. Like it's, it's what really gets me. Like I know I annoy some of my league mates because I'm always trying to make moves and it's gotten to the point where in some leagues where it's like, I'm outcast. Nobody will trade with me now. So if I come to them and I'm like, Hey, what about this offer? And they're like, ah, and they won't do it just because I'm the one that's offered it to them. So it's, but I still love it. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> You're a great follow, man. And I read your, your rebuilding article. There's a lot of good actionable advice in there. So everyone should check it out for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I love giving the process and showing your league. You know, it's one thing to just say, Hey, here's, you know, this and whatever, but we try to do that a lot too, with the actionable advice and being able to give examples and, um, you know, just that's the best way to do it. So you can listen to us on the DAP network on Tuesday night with trade addicts. And then you go check out Chris on Wednesday nights. And then you come back here on Thursday nights for dynasty junkies. So, you know, we got you covered across the board and now, now I know who to bother about, uh, my IDP league. So, uh, I'm going to be all up in Chris's DMS and, um, asking him some IDP stuff. So, uh, that that'll be, I'll be the one annoying you. So we'll, it'll come full circle, you know? Love it. Um, Tommy, any closing thoughts on the night before we wrap this up? No, man, I just appreciate y'all having me on. Um, it's going to be a fun non-point scoring season. We've got a few more of these together, so just really looking forward to it. As always, uh, we are incredibly lucky to have a phenomenal lineup uh, of people, some new and, and some returning, uh, some familiar voices and, and some new voices because we love to share the people uh, especially like Chris bringing positivity to the space. Uh, you know, it's important, like he said all night, like let's have fun with it and, and, uh, let's just get better and enjoy what we're, what we're doing here, whether it's, you know, a distraction or, or a side hustle or, you know, frankly, like a full on business for some of us. So, um, you know, that, that's the way to go. Um, so yeah, for, for dynasty junkies, uh, DAP network, you can follow, at dynasty junkies at uh rockies at dynasty ff addict i'm at scott underscore sidlo uh at ff tommy b and andrews at andrew hall ff you will find a good rotation of us going forward uh please subscribe and follow the dap network at dap network on youtube or anywhere you find uh podcasts or anything else we appreciate any reviews we can get just get us out to more people and um you know, be able to bring on these, these guests that, uh, will help make us all better and we get to learn and, and, uh, enjoy that. And also don't forget to give us your FMAT submissions. We did get a whole bunch over the last couple of weeks, so we'll be getting to those. And, uh, of course we'll bring, uh, we'll have to bust out the all FMAT show at some point. So, um, that'll, that'll be, uh, it's always a good one. It's always a fan favorite. So again, uh, thanks to dynasty deviant, and thanks to Tommy for joining me tonight. Junkies out.